Welcome to Everyday Driver, where cars are more than just transportation. They're freedom, a common ground, a way to grow, and can even make life better. We're here to help everyone find a car they love and discover all the ways cars connect us. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is The Car Debate. So we're currently live on YouTube. If you're listening to this as an actual audio podcast, thank you for doing that as well. Uh, we are we have decided that every 25 podcasts we're going to do an all live version via YouTube and take all questions. And so we're here, and the questions are pouring in, and I'm already behind. <laughs> World's so, old, yeah. oldest millennial says, "I can hear Paul. Is this a bug or a feature? That's a feature. <laughs> Just want you to know. But guys, <laughs> welcome back. We have completed the first half of our season nine on the Motor Trend Cable Channel, and so that mm-hmm. will be coming soon to uh, streamings to Amazon, but it is on Vimeo for all of our patrons. Thank you guys for supporting. And so those episodes will repeat very shortly on the Motor Trend Cable Channel as well. And then uh, we're already thinking about season 10, which is crazy. And season nine is coming to Amazon soon, which is very cool. Yeah. And also on our website, if you haven't entered the cheap sports car raffle yet, Mm. we're a week and a half in and we've got four and a half weeks left. So throw your hat in the ring. But there's great news going on there, actually, because we have already surpassed the milestone we were worried about. Our minimum to actually make the cars go. The cars are going. Some of you are winning them. I'm not sure who. But the other thing that's crazy is right now, here's the the crazy thing about a lot of these raffles. You're, You're in a lot of raffles and it's like, you know, thousands and thousands of entries. There's less than 200 people entered right now. So your that odds makes, are good. The, yeah, the odds are good. So the I other good news is in, both yeah. cars are still running as of this recording. So that's uh, that's good. Thank you, uh, Answar, for saying that uh, you liked season nine. And yes, aren't you liking my glasses? This is what happens when you get old and you look at a lot of too many computer screens. You now need glasses for the screens. Uh, vacation was awesome, by the way, Jordan. I just got back uh, from an amazing 1,400-mile road trip in the Lotus. Yeah, you piled it on. I had to make a list of things I don't think would be fun. It would actually be 1,400 miles of road trip in a Lotus, and it was awesome. <laughs> I'm it so was fantastic. Glad. We had so I've, much fun. I've heard nothing of the trip. We had so much I've fun. Heard nothing. I, we, we hit greatest hits roads down through Utah and then across. Across Arizona and back up through Colorado, greatest hits roads across the across the board, and half of our trip is the Utah meetup. Yeah, so yeah, like you were doing we were like location scouting, location right? scouting as we went, and my yep. my son kept saying, uh, "This is the greatest road ever," and then followed by, "Oh, this is the greatest road." Ever. Oh, I forgot to tell you this. Here's something I've never done before on a road trip that I did because of my son. Many things. Yes. We would go through a great stretch of road, which you and I do. Was there a ball of string involved? No, there wasn't, but thanks. Okay. Not, I wasn't following a laser. Just checking. Yeah, thanks. Uh, we, you, know, you and I go through a road, but we'll, we'll keep paint rolling over it to shoot, right? Yeah, right, right. But then when you and I go drive for fun, we just go do the road. Right? Yeah, yeah. So I'm sitting there with my son, and we would do a section that was amazing. And we'd get through it, and he would look at me, and he'd be like, can we go do it again? <laughs> and the first time he did it, my brain kind of ground to a halt, and I was like, yeah, we've got mileage to. We've but, got to. But then I was like, yeah, <laughs> get after wait, it. Wait, just why don't let? Uh, so we just kept funny. turning around, and going back, which was great. It was really wonderful. I love it. Well, guys, thank you so much for joining us. We always love doing this, and uh, the questions are pouring in as we uh, as we see here. Yeah. We do have a few on social media here as well, and uh, yeah, Instagram. So I'm looking at. Uh, I think it's Charlie K NYC. Uh, lost your question here. Anyway, if you've got something, go ahead. Uh, We've got tons flying in already. Oh, here, Twitter. Oh, please. If we were placing bets, who do we think will be the last full-line manufacturer still selling internal combustion engines only? No hybrid or Mm. electrification Mm. vehicles, other than Dodge, because that makes it too easy. (laughs) I suppose so. But you're saying only? 
Ah, that's that's going to be a tough one, I think, yeah. in the far future to, for car companies to be able to compete. They're they're going to have to offer a broad range, I think. Porsche's already you know gone that direction, but if you were to say mm. still selling internal combustion engines, I would definitely say Porsche is one of them. Well, but you're right. I mean, everybody there's regulations that are changing as we speak. There's everybody talking about the new standards. And a pretty much every car manufacturer is saying that a segment of their lineup will be electric. I don't know that anybody's saying, no, we're holding the line. I think everybody's mm-hmm. talking about it. Yeah, I think that, that ship's already sailed. We'll see how, how it goes, though. All right. Uh, yeah, people are getting Somebody said that there's no such thing as a cheap sports car in 2021. I don't agree. We have cheap sports cars all month yeah. on both our channels, and we have two monster Comparos coming up on the main original channel for YouTube. Uh, they're coming up in a couple of weeks. Uh, actually, this Thursday, I'm very excited about. This is our seventh update video for your uh, cheap sports car and mine, and this is our tracking and drag racing video of just our two cars. But then a couple of weeks later, we have an eight-car comparison. We gathered eight cars. that includes our two. Eight cars that met all the parameters that you and I shopped for, which is less than 25 years old, rear-wheel drive, manual transmission, two-seat, yep. and crucially less than $8,000. Yep. And we gathered them, and they're awesome. So I'm very excited to share that. Means that means no it Porsche 944s, possible. Mustangs, and Camaros are out. But we did find all these cars, and the biggest thing I think you, you know, we've talked about, and that is pages of them for sale. Not yeah, just that was the case. It wasn't one like we found the one that happened to be title yeah, yeah. upside down in a pool. You know, <laughs> that but, always uh, works. Yeah, we did find pages of them, so that is coming. Oh, there's watch questions. This is good. Great. Answer watch questions. I love it. Uh, oh, uh, Jordan asked what watch I'm wearing. It's a Tudor Black Bay Pepsi GMT, and I'm a big fan. So Pepsi. So it's the blue and red to commemorate the colors that we have on camera, and uh, I just I love it. And also. Ansoir says, thoughts of Tissot, Paul, eyeing, eyeing a C-star chronograph for your birthday. I say, get it. And also, buy the watch, not for the band. So you're not buying just for the band. You're buying, you know, thinking you can customize it, you can change it out, you know, all that kind of stuff. So think about that for the future and also enjoy it. Just wear it constantly. Don't put it on the shelf. Just wear it. The 1K says, have we considered filming a sequel to Mid-Engines and Mountains? That's that one. Have we considered filming a sequel to that using (laughs) uh, front mid-engine cars? I'd like to do a sequel to that, period. Here's the weird thing about that film specifically, is that it's one of my favorites, and some of you have said it's your favorite, but actual viewership, it's one of the lowest ones. Mm -hmm. So it makes it hard to be like, let's go do another one. It's Uh, less about cars in particular. Yeah. I mean, it is, but it's more about the road trip aspect. It's not the comparisons like Mm -hmm. these are. Yeah, and we we do have some more road trip films coming up. My Lotus uh, that I just took is actually going to become a road trip film. We have more road trip films coming up over the next 12 months. Uh, with various cars. I'm hoping that those will play well. Those are all going to be straight to YouTube. We're hoping that those will play well because it's the kind of thing we're excited about doing. We hope you guys will be excited about it too. Gas Station says, when when will we be able to drive the GV70? Well, I'm hoping soon. And good news is Genesis, Hyundai, Kia are very much supporting the Rocky Mountain region for press cars, which is great. We continue to ask them, but they've been delivering. We've been in the Genesis G80, the GV80, and we continue to push on them because there is a huge market here. And as a matter of fact, I'm seeing a lot of the GV80s around Park City already. But yeah, I think the GV70 is gorgeous and we want to get in it very soon. But uh, sometimes it's just when does it come into the press rotation? We just don't know. Mm-hmm. Entrapment is asking specifically about the cheap sports car pieces and their releases. Again, it's all the month of August, in fact, leading to the first Thursday of September. So every Thursday we have stuff coming out. The Test Drive channel will be doing test drives of all the cars we gather for the big 
cheap sports car piece. I don't have the dates in front of me, but this Thursday is the tracking piece. Skip two weeks. That's the eight car piece. Skip one more week. That should be the first week of first Thursday of September. That is a five car throwdown Comparo. So I'm very excited about it. We got so much coming. We shot more than a feature film over the course of four days. <laughs> yeah. And we're finishing it in six yeah, weeks. For sure. It's going fast. Wow. This is great, guys. Thank you for all the questions. Let's see. Oh, as far as watching the Evora versus the M2 CS piece, both amazing cars. And what else? Uh, let's see. Oh, Ryan Stamp says, after having the cheap sports cars for a year, what was the biggest pet peeve for each of us in our respective vehicles? Mm, I, mm, the weight. The weight, mm. I think. It just it drives thick and heavy. The Mercedes SLK does. The the broken down seat for me in the Z4, it needs a new driver's seat. And that was always kind of sitting a little bit like this. And it just, you could tell. <laughs> That's it, why it walks funny now. Totally. Anytime we did a long road trip in it, I I just hurt after a while, which yeah. was too bad. Now, of yeah. course, that could be easily fixed. Of course, that's the thing with a lot of these cheap sports cars. Things can be easily fixed. The, uh, the other thing is actually the fact that I don't like the numb steering Mm-hmm. But I also got used to the fact that I just couldn't get information from that. So after that, I just accept the fact that it's fun to drive. I just realized <laughs> I that just I just died to the I lost, well, good I lost, steering. Yeah, I lost one of my senses. And then it was just like, well, I guess it's what we're doing. Sighthound uh, Studio says, uh, need options for re- reliable, low-cost, road-legal track car. Thinking NC Miata or 86. I think those are excellent choices. Both of those you could get for, I mean, you get a nice one for 10 to 15 grand, even right now. Sure. I haven't, uh, track cars. I haven't looked at what 818s have done lately, but there is a huge forum that people are trying to get rid of them, trying True. to get in them. That's so, the interesting thing is the 818s actually, to Paul's good, point, the, um, you can find those on like the 818 owners thing. And a lot of people will sell those with spares. Mm-hmm. They build them mm-hmm. and they sell them. So that's a possibility as well. That is a good oddball. I mean, I can't go wrong with a Miata. The 86 is great. Anything else, you could find them cheap, but I'm worried about consumables and parts. Ooh, more watch questions. 350Z. Sorry, just struck me. 350Z is another one. Yeah, that's good. Cheap sports car. Wait, though. There's always Yeah, but it's, but it's a, a known track car for sure. All right. Uh, TK Hockey 510 asks me how I feel about the Rolex. Get on the list and build a relationship at your local dealer to get the one you want. Do you like the hunt or do you wish they would meet market demand? Well, they're kind of guaranteeing myself or there's themselves like Ferrari does. They're guaranteeing themselves sales by doing this, but used is a great way to go. You can go slightly used and still get a great watch because once you start wearing it, it's going to become slightly used. There's going to be little nicks and dings, especially on the band. I say, just go for it and get it. But sometimes you'll pay a little bit less if you go the used route and there's a lot of different sites that, uh, that you can use. I've used Bob's watches. You use Crown and Caliber, of course, Hodinkee. There's a lot. And uh, I I don't wish they would meet market demand because it already mm. seems like they're saturated. And I would ask you, why do you want a Rolex in particular? Here's one I think we'll fight about. Uh, Jason White's looking for his next daily driver. He can't stop looking at a 2012 Porsche Cayman R. Don't what he realizes, the price is nearly double a Cayman S. He's right. Yeah. For a daily, is there a reason to go with an R? Is it that much better? I think, honestly, get an S and be happy. For a daily, an S would be great. I, I, don't, I don't think Save you'd miss money. out. I really don't think you'd miss out. I, I do. I think you'd, you'd I mean, stick. sure, yeah, we'd enjoy a Cayman R on a daily basis. The, the R would be wonderful. Of course it would. But I, I don't think that your usage would matter that much. Also, right below that, big, sexy TDI. Am I excited about the Lord of the Rings 4K Ultimate Edition? 
and will I make an appearance? I won't. I didn't make an appearance in the first one. I mean, my, my son's still angry that I don't have. I'm not in the credits. Like intern on the left, number five is in the credits for one of the many visual effects companies. But they had to. They literally. I had to sign a form. I'm not kidding. I had to sign a form on those films that acknowledged that I would not get credit. That sucks. The the, the level just above me. I was essentially director level. The level just above me at, mm. at the at the studio made got credit. So my son watches my boss's name goes by and he's like, "Why didn't you get credit?" I'm like that's not happening. So I'm not making an appearance. My concern with the 4K version is that Peter Jackson's gone back and redone the visual effects for 4K. Now, and by redone, what does that involve? Well, they built them for 4K res. Okay, so they they took the base plates and they rebuilt all of the animation, everything, but in 4K and for 4K, because originally at the time they were shooting it on 35 millimeter, which is more than 4K resolution, but they were outputting it in 2K because that's all that was happening in in the outputs at the time. So they've, they've rebuilt it for 4K. Theoretically, this is a great idea. But we all know what happened when George Lucas went back and decided, I'm going to fix all the visual effects in Star Wars. Did it get better? I don't know. So uh, Peter Jackson. It's a uh, reason to re-release and ask for more money. And they will do that wonderfully well. So I hope that they're good because, you know, the other thing is Peter Jackson chased technology and did 48 frames for the Hobbit films, and they just don't look right. But he was super mm. excited about the tech. So that's my only concern. I trust him mm. more as a filmmaker than I do George Lucas as far as, like, dabbling in his own older work. But we'll see. Percocet Re needs help. Says my, uh, she says, fiance is constantly changing his next car choice. Any insight you can provide he is between the new 400Z or a C7 Corvette. What is our opinion? It's tough to have an opinion when we have not driven the car, of course, and have not really had any soak time with it, especially that Z. The C7 is great, but the Z car, based on what we've been experiencing with Nissan lately, mm. There is hope for Nissan. There is hope for this car because <laughs> yeah. we've just been in the yeah. frontier. That was just held here in Sundance, Utah mm-hmm. for the release. And by the way, the embargo lifts tomorrow, Tuesday, August 10th, 2021. And yep. we've been driving the Nissan Pathfinder, the brand new one. It's pre-production and we're, we're both still going, this is great. What mm-hmm. a great choice. Yes, for 50 grand, of course. Yes. It's interesting. Nissan is obviously redoing their entire lineup right now. I joked with Paul earlier today. It's like they had a whiteboard of all their products and just went, wipe. And started again <laughs> under all of the titles. They just, but yeah. so far yeah. we've actually been pretty pleased with what they've done. So they're making themselves competitive again, which they needed to do. So that's very good. Uh, Patrick D has a question. I want to clarify two things on it. it. Says, where are we filming in the California hills with no traffic? First off, we <laughs> don't film in California that often anymore because we're based right. in Park City, Utah. So we film right. in our area as much as we can. But when we do, or when we shoot here locally. This is filmmaking magic, folks, because there's always traffic. There's yep. always the cars that go by. So we sit there with you know our spotters and our radios and let traffic go by and wait for a moment that we can do what we need to do, and then traffic goes by again. So we're trying very hard to get shots that don't have other traffic in them. That doesn't mean we were in a place where we never see another car. And right. That doesn't happen. Well, you've always told me the camera lies. Yeah. Let's make it lie. Absolutely. Yep. I've always liked that. Han Chen says, how long do we spend picking our T-shirts for the live stream <laughs> Whatever's clean. They were clean. Really, they were absolutely clean. And I drawer and clean. Yeah. What have you got? <laughs> I brought. I brought happiness, and uh, he had American original, and we said that'll work. That covers the table. <laughs> yeah, lots of thought. All right, Rick says uh, he made it. Rick, welcome. He knows Nate is primarily a writer, but he thinks he did a great job on the he last episode. You did, Nate. Any chance of an audio everyday driver bike podcast by him? Perhaps call it Everyday Rider. We had thought about that. We've already beat on Nate profusely. That's more of a, what does Nate want to take on from that standpoint? And uh, what does he think 
you know, how would he structure that and how often would it come out? Because podcasting, of course, consistency is the key. That's what we found. When your audience can expect this is when it's coming out, mm-hmm. that's what uh, improved our podcast. So, Nick318IS says, used BMW M2 or something else in the price range. You're going to have to do drive homework. You have to drive a lot of things. You need to drive. I know it's, it's already on YouTube. You can look at it. Drive M2, drive the Cayman, drive the Supra. You need to drive those three for yeah. sure yep. and see yep. what connects with you. I mean, you could spin off with M2 money. You could spin off and get yourself a Lotus Elise. You could get yourself uh, an old used Aston Martin. Those cars couldn't be more different, but mm-hmm. they're in that same price range. So you're going to have to drive some stuff. I'm not sure what it is you like about the M2 other than you have 318 IS in your uh, <clears throat> name. So I imagine you're a bit of a BMW fan. <laughs> <laughs> Elliot Manning asks, which sedan we think is on the chopping block next? Mm. I think it's the Alpha Julia, unfortunately, mm. because Maserati can get away continuing making sedans, but I think Alpha is going to taste SUV sales and go only in that direction. Stelvio, all the rest, they're just going to go well, SUV, even though Maserati has the Levante drive, yeah. whatever. But I think Maserati still, they still have to have a sedan and a coupe. We also don't know what the Stellantarians are going to do. It's no, we don't. World. Well, that's so that's that the same decide. company. I know. They, that'll decide the whole know. thing about both of them. It's going to be the Stellantis. <laughs> Lancia makes sedans, and everybody else makes SUVs. What else? Uh, SS1LE or M4 from John James. That's hard. He says the insurance is almost double for the BMW. <clears throat> Worried about the ownership cost for the BMW. I think you're going to find the SS1LE to be more involving. The M2 is probably going to amaze you. I mean, pardon me, the M4 is probably going to amaze you more. I bet if you drove them back to back, you had the M4 and be like, how does a car do that? Mm-hmm. But I suspect that the SS1LE Camaro, you would feel more involved. I think so too. Plus saving money. I mean, insurance well, yeah, companies look at that BMW and they can't fight that see off. It coming. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Dan Combs has a question for me. How do you get those pesky stuck on bugs off the front of your car? Good news, Grail's Garage makes a bug and tar cleaner, and it works really well. So you want to wash your car, well, wet it down, and then spray that on. Just let it sit a little bit, but not so it dries, and then just continue to do that and just slowly work those off the front, and it works great. Even I, who am no good at it, I can do it with that stuff. Yeah, yeah it's excellent. It's amazing. Exactly. Because the Lotus gets yeah. the Lotus is filthy right now. Because I just drove it in home last night and just parked you it. You just parked it. It's of just, it's filthy. I don't want to see it. It's filthy, yeah. <laughs> Let's see. Oh, we've got a Track Daily Crush, Alpha 4C, 3.0 Supra, and a Lotus Evora. Yeah. I'm crushing the 4C. I don't want to track it. And I'd rather daily the Supra, and I'll track the Evora. Interesting. Done. Interesting. Uh, let's see. Percocet RHI says her fiancé is constantly changing. My fiancé is constantly changing his next car choice. Any insight you can provide him? He is between the 400Z and the C7 Corvette. Yeah, we yeah we were talking about that. Yeah, so I we'll see, we'll see. I mean, it's just it's tough to say. Yeah, you know, 400Z is going to be great, but yeah, we yeah, let's we hope do, so. Uh, yeah, we do see great things coming for Nissan. What else? Uh, oh, S White <laughs> says, "What Sorry. was my worst sin? Selling my 1982 911 SC or my 18-carat gold Rolex Thunderbird? Yes, a divorce <laughs> was involved. Uh, that's a tough one. Gosh." I'd I'd love to say the Porsche, but um, I'll stick with I'll stick with a Porsche for now because you know, uh, yeah, yeah, the the Thunderbird, yeah, great, but I'll go with the Porsche. Yeah, we'll do we'll do that. 
Did you see the? Did you answer the Honda question? World's oldest millennial with why? Why is I love these questions. Why is the greatest car ever made the 1990 Honda CRX Si? <laughs> so a little biased, are you? Yeah, you like that. It car, is do great. You? They're, They're so very great. cool. I mean, look, I, define greatest. That's the thing. People come up to us often and go, "What's what's your favorite car ever?" I'm like, "You got to give me some sort of parameters." If you're talking small hatchback, the great thing about those 90s Hondas is they didn't have a lot of the modern safety equipment. They were really really light, thin A pillars all this kind of stuff that actually made them even more chuckable. Mm-hmm. So the yeah. problem is that that uh, great hot hatches since then have just gotten bigger and thicker and duller because of safety, if nothing else, which is crazy to say. So it's hard to, to, to chase that 90s era because they were lighter and simpler. Yeah, right, right. But at the same time, you're not as safe and there's not as much tech. So where's the trade-off? That The 90s cars are in a resurgence right now, and I find that fascinating. Well, question to take off of that is DFE asking, how much longer will gasoline engines survive? What's a V8 long-term, but everyone is going EV. Well, think about the long-term just from, I guess, from the, uh, the build standpoint. Because there is such a, an enthusiast community still wanting V8s and still building gasoline engines and rebuilding engines that I think will never die. And and we just had a, a email sent to us. I don't remember the author. I was scanning quickly, but you know who you are. And he was writing to us asking about that very thing and saying, well, he sees so many small shops mm-hmm. rebuilding cars and saying, you know, this should, this will potentially last forever. And the cars that don't have parts anymore, people are kind of taking up that mantle to keep things alive. And those cars are worth saving. Do not send them to the junkyard. They're absolutely worth saving because they're part of where the entire car culture has gotten us to where we're going. But I also think EVs are going to be part of the market. They're not going to take over. I think just infrastructure-wise, it'd be hard for them to take over, but we'll see. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, question from Benjamin Yost, uh, minister of finance just approved a sporty car. He got a 2007 BMW two, uh, 328 XI for $7,500. Bravo. Excellent shopping at this time of year. She's now looking for a new small sporty SUV to replace her 2017 mini countryman manual. Any fun hybrids that are going to be as fun as a mini countryman. That's hard. Hybrids hmm. that are that, um, Hmm. Typically, hybrid and fun are mutually exclusive. <laughs> I, I hate to say it, but let's be honest. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. very true. Uh, you would also don't list a budget for her, which makes that a little bit more difficult. That feels almost like a larger car debate. Um, I actually wonder about one of those really cheap used EVs, like the 500e or a BMW oh. i3 or something like that that feels small and chunkable and a little bit electric. I think about that. The the fun hybrids, I mean, look, there were things like the uh, the Chevy Volt, but it wasn't that much fun. It was a really solid car, but I wouldn't call it fun. We've liked some of the Toyota hybrids of late, but I like them, but I don't know that I call them fun either. But that's hard. What about that uh, older, it's like 2012 now, the Audi A3 that uh, was a hybrid, uh, something like that? I mean, Possibly. Kind of creeping towards fun, I guess. <laughs> creeping bit. towards fun. There's the term you want. <laughs> Jeremiah Ross says, hey, can I have a shout out, Jeremiah? Absolutely. Thank you for being with us, and we really appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you. 
What else? Oh, did you see Big Sexy TDI loves derailing chat to Lord of the Rings film junkiness. He would listen to an entire Todd film podcast on your own. I, I've thought about doing a film podcast. There are a ton. I think there'd be like three of us sitting around a campfire. And by the way, I did see the mention earlier. You're right. Han did shoot first. So yeah, that's all. What are you guys on. talking about? Yeah, it's all. It's all that. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Uh, oh, the one KEA says, when can we start buying the TV seasons of Everyday Driver on Blu-ray for $179.99 plus <laughs> shipping and handling? Wow. You it, know what? Getting Blu-ray done is a big undertaking just to get the quality right and get yeah. the, you know, we're, we're doing our own shipping. But, but you know there, what? But. Do uh, Just be part of the raffle. If you want to be supportive, be part of the raffle. That's, that's a great idea. To, see if you can get one of those cheap sports cars because that's pretty awesome. Thoughts on the Lotus Amira? I, um, the problem is that I have to keep stopping myself from thoughts on the Lotus Amira. Do you? <laughs> oh my gosh, that car intrigues me. It's I, hot. I hope it's awesome. I wow, I want one. But we'll see. We'll see. Stephen Wynn asks us, speaking of Nissan products, how do we feel about Infinity's future? He loves his twenty fourteen Q fifty S three point seven, but he's not optimistic optimistic about their enthusiast future. What are our thoughts? Well, we kind of shared those in the QX80 review that we Mm. did a year ago when Infinity sent us the QX80, and we do appreciate being able to get in Infinity products. But Infinity's lineup, you think Nissan's lineup is old? Infinity's Mm. is old, even though they are soon introducing the QX60, and we are soon to get the QX55. However, I feel like they're fast followers right now as far as SUVs at a luxury or mid-luxury level for the industry because that's what people are buying. I want them to clean house. I want them to do what we feel Nissan is doing mm-hmm. and clear it out. And they have such a a brand that they could do anything with. They're not locked in. Like BMW has to do motorsports, even though they're, you know, wanting to do an electric lineup, but you know, they have this motorsports background. Porsche is locked into their history and their past. But Infinity could almost reinvent themselves and do anything, but they still keep releasing incremental Five, seven passenger, whatever they are, SUVs, Mm -hmm. they're probably pretty good and they're another choice. But are they standouts? That's not what we've ever gotten from Infinity. So I think they could just wipe it all clean. Let's stop selling cars for two years, just like Genesis did. You remember Genesis just went away for a few years. They stopped selling the coupe. Yes. They they just, they popped back up. You're right. Yeah. This is not a bad thing. And now of course, Genesis is all anybody can talk about. Hey, have you heard of Genesis? You should consider Genesis. They're really good. Mm -hmm. Different styling. They should just rethink everything, step back and then relaunch. Everybody would love it. Just stop taking these band-aid steps constantly. And, you know, Giving the dealers, well, the dealers have an influence because they, you know, they want stuff to sell, of course. Yeah, but, for sure. They'll take more SUVs because yeah. people are going to buy those. Back off to just showing door handles and, you know, a stream with rocks or something. Just back off to <laughs> the was, original. Somebody was excited about that marketing campaign. Yes. It just was the ultimate wah, wah. It just didn't work. You know what just I'm wondering about, go though? Go backwards to the beginning. With Nissan redoing their entire product lineup, you and I haven't even talked about this. I wonder when Nissan gets done with all these reveals. Mm-hmm. Are we 18 months to two years away from the Infinity version of all those cars? Because, because <laughs> Not necessarily, no. Yeah, I, I, no. This is, this is the thing that, that Nissan is actually trying really hard right now to become competitive in every market segment again. And in some places, they're doing really well. In some places, it's like, okay, at least you updated it. I mean, it, it's a mixed bag, and we knew it would be. Yeah. But yeah. having something competitive and then taking that into a luxury brand and trying to make it competitive as a luxury brand is just a building on on the one you just finally fell across the finish line with, I think that's an instant fail. I agree. Car so, companies were doing that yeah. 20 years ago. GM and Ford know. were 
bringing back retro styling. And then they had the luxury version of everything under the Mercury and Lincoln brands, especially for Ford. But again, if Nissan, okay, maybe they'd used similar chassis. They don't have to go as far as VW has, but maybe parts from similar chassis and they're, they're doing their own thing because if Nissan wants those sales and those buyers, they could set themselves on a new path. Come on. They're still associated in a roundabout way with Alpine, the F1 team, in a mm-hmm. very roundabout technological way. <laughs> you, can, you can get there from here. You can. It's like a little maze at a fast food restaurant. <laughs> Hang on, I'm going to get there. It makes sense. With Cran. You know it. It's a weird bubble graph, but you can get there. <laughs> uh, JP says, are car shows, car week worth it? I'm going to build this on top of somebody else that asked we're going to Pebble. I don't think we're going to Pebble this year. It's kind of sneaking up on us. Don't yeah. think that's happening. He's essentially saying, is that worth it? He feels like it's like going to a whiskey show to look at expensive, fancy bottles of whiskey and never getting to taste anything. I'm of two minds on this. I actually think if you can find your local car show, I'm not going to Pebble real quick, just your local cars and coffee mm-hmm. that you can go to regularly. Like we have one here locally once a month and it's awesome. I like to go. My son likes to go. We see all the same people. We have friends there. It's cool. Every now and then a surprise car shows up. We kind of know what's going to be there. It's going to be a lot of Porsches and a lot of nice stuff because Park City has good stuff. But it's cool to go and to just connect with the community that is car people. So that's great. Mm-hmm. And then you get to drive away in your own car, and that's awesome. And sometimes drives spin off of that, which I think is great. Now, Pebble Car Week. Madness. It's madness. Yep. Every year when it happens and I don't go, I kind of wish I was there. But every time I'm gone, I'm kind of going, you know, this is, this is tough. This is really tough. It's a yeah. lot of people. It's a lot of stuff. You go, you go for the same reason. This sounds weird. You go for the same reason you go to the Louvre to see the Mona Lisa. Because you can say you saw it. You sure, can see something sure. that isn't anywhere else. This is what Pebble Beach is good for. You see stuff. Now you see mon- more mundane stuff that might be local cars and coffee, but you will see that I've never seen one of those. You'll also have that experience you and I have every time we go. We invariably walk up and we go, I don't even know what that car is. I've never even heard of that before. <laughs> what am I looking at? Seriously, yeah. I, I, I've never seen one that of these. That happens every year. Absolutely. Yes. And that is that is something that makes that week unique, even though I am very much a person where I want to drive it. And you oh, and I for are sure. so for spoiled. Sure. Here's the other thing. You and I are so spoiled about when we get stuff, we get to put it in a nice backdrop with nobody else standing around and get a good photo. I now have trouble taking pictures at car shows because there's people in it. I'm just like, <laughs> I, I want just, the people I, in the background. I just right. want to get it staged right. And I can't. Right. But it, that you can see one-off stuff. It's very cool. Look, I love Pebble, but there's every chance that you'll go to Pebble Beach Monterey weekend and you'll not see what most of the media is talking about. <laughs> That's true as well, And you'll well, think, yeah. where was I? Mm-hmm. I was at another event because it's so scattered. There's mm-hmm. so many different little yeah. events now popping up, which is great because now you can really kind of plan and tailor you know, what's going on. But sometimes you'll think, well, how, how do you hear about those various events? And even though there's guides that are published, the new events keep popping up and you're missing out. Mm-hmm. So it's so spread out amongst you know, all these different locations all over the peninsula, all over town. You could just be on Carmel Avenue. You just look at the Ferraris driving by and you missed all the other shows and you Mm -hmm. still had a great time. But you have to go thinking, I'm just going to see a tiny part of it, even though you will be tired of cars when you leave. But then, but yeah. then you'll get home and look up cars again. You'll, you'll, have, like, you'll pull up auto tip. That's what I like. Saw. Oh, that's exactly. that it. Yeah. It, it's so much fun, but it's, it's exhausting. And you'll come away thinking, I, I wish I saw more and you know saw the things that people were talking about or paid attention because sometimes you're looking at people, you're looking at everything mm-hmm. else around it, and you missed the car right next to you that was the cool thing because 
there's nobody to tell you about the stats and the specs and the build and the mm-hmm. story behind it and all that kind of stuff. So it's, it's difficult, but still, if you have an opportunity, I highly recommend it. It's definitely something to do once. What, yes, but buy your hotel rooms in March. Oh, at least. Yeah. At least that March is like, you're getting late mm-hmm, so. for sure. Um, there's gosh, there's so many. I'm trying to catch up here. It's great. Uh, a watches and whiskey podcast with me talking TV. I, we, we would split the room right there. <laughs> like first half people to be Just, asleep on the second half. Other people to be asleep. It'd be great. It'd be really, really good. That's yeah. Fantastic. Why do you, uh, D why do you feel uneasy when you get into your old Audi and the check engine light is not on? Mm. I'll tell you, I've told Rejoice. this joke before. Nothing makes you uneasy. Like getting into an electric car and seeing the check engine light. Yeah. With the I was engine really block confused and a by carbureted that. still cylindrical air cleaner confused by what on earth that meant. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Oh, Ryan Stamp says he just came back from the Concours d'Elegance of America in Michigan that Haggerty just acquired. He said it's a great show. Fantastic. That's that's good to know. With fun cars and coffee the day before, he saw over 20 C8 Corvettes. Mm. Soon they will litter, litter the landscape, but that's not right now. Yeah, I actually saw one in a parking lot today, and I was like, hey, look, there is one. There's brand new. They were looking. here from Texas. I was like, where did you where, you drove that up here? Good for you. Yeah. Uh Unraveler says you just saw the 911 film a couple of weekends ago. It was streaming on a car channel. It was probably scre- streaming on uh, the chassis channel of Pluto TV. I, I suspect because that's somewhere that actually plays regularly. We love that our stuff is there. We keep updating our TV seasons there as we are also updating it on YouTube. We're closing the gap as well on our original YouTube channel to get our TV episodes there sooner. They've been on like a two-year, eighteen-month delay due to a lot of other reasons, and we're slowly closing the gap. So we're hoping that's mm-hmm. going to be three to six months before you see those on YouTube. So we hope that you'll like them there too. Ragid Azo says, Hi, folks. What do we think about the Lexus GX460? Is it worth the money? It, the secret's out. It, you know, they're, the Land Cruiser part sharing and, and what people have done with the Lexus GX vehicles, I have not kept up with that particular market niche, I, I will admit, but... People have discovered those, and there's some parts that are interchangeable, but now they're just doing the safari and off-road lifts on those things. But the problem is, they're so in demand now, just a stock GX460 is in demand. Mm. Now, we're not the off-road, hardcore off-road guys, but I know that they're very much appreciated by the community, and they're very good, and they run really a long time. So... I say yes. If you like it and you want it and it makes you happy, yes, it's worth the money. David's asking about Utah scenery and Utah roads. Now, first off, if you come to our uh, Utah meetup, which is happening in the middle of September, we are doing a greatest hits multi-day drive for that meetup. It's like the, the U.S. pilgrimage. I'm very excited. It's going to be really fun. Having just done a lot of those roads, I kind of can't wait to go back, which is really cool. Yeah. But David's asking about where those roads are and what he should drive. It, it really Utah is surprisingly varied in its topography from south to north. So I'm not sure where Dude. you're going to be, but if you're going to be anywhere in central Utah, look at Highway 12 and you will not regret it. Indeed. Oh, and Aswar asks, if we'll ever put the feature films on YouTube. You saw 50 years of the 9-11 film on YouTube, but none of the other feature films are on YouTube. You probably saw trailers, and that's our method of just you know showing what's available because of the audience. Generally speaking, we found the YouTube audience. It depends on the person, but it can be on in the background. Whereas a streaming service, you're on Netflix, Amazon, Pluto, whatever that is, your attention is 
fully focused on what you've just rented. Certainly more so. Yeah. And because of the work that goes into this and because of our you know, research and what the, the story that we're telling, we want your full attention. We want you with us in the car rather than just a, here's some highlights. You know, that's why the, the differences, you know, from the cheap sports car challenge to the test drive channel. Mm-hmm. So our commentary is different because our headspace is different. We just want you to give a quick, you know, give you a quick takeaway on test drive channel. What do the guys think? What is the, you know, our initial impressions, but for a deep dive like this, we want you just engrossed just like we are. The other thing going on with why nine 11 is different than the others. YouTube. Let's see. We made that film in 2013, which is frightening to think about yeah. this film, 2013, yep. uh, right around the time that we finished that film, YouTube decided to try something new. It was during their post 2012. Let's try everything uh, era. And they decided to make films available that people uploaded available for rent. Hmm. And we put the 9-11 film up there and it made it available for it. Now, it was also still on Amazon and other places, but we put it up on YouTube. And YouTube got kind of um, universal vitriol for daring to do that. So yeah. if you go to, if you can find our uh, 9-11 film right now, it's, even some of the interface is weird because YouTube has taken away the rental option, which is why we have not put the feature films on YouTube, but they are available lots of other places. Let's see. Oh, David Elfring says, thank you for the Highway 12 recommendation. Who knows? Maybe you influenced his minister of finance. You got to just find those right roads. Mm -hmm. Changes everything, doesn't it? We do have a BMW Z3 coming up this month because it became part of our cheap sports car challenge. So somebody's asked about that. And uh, Daniel, that is coming. Entrapment is going to ask if we're going to the Denver car show, but it's the same weekend as the Utah meetup. Which you're going to. We're thrilled to have you. If you're uh, inclined to come to the Utah meetup, there is still space and we'd love to have you along. But no, we're not going to be at the Denver Car Show because of that. But ZCon will also be at Pikes Peak in uh, another week and a half. So the 20th of August. And Nissan will be there debuting the Z car. But there's also a lot of Z owners there. And we are sending our writer, Jason Bell. And he's going to be in attendance. So if you're in Denver, say hi. Russell Matheson says, what's our opinion on run-flat tires versus performance all-season tires? Um, hmm. Going also from the factory 21s to 20s on his LC500 for more compliant ride. I think you would appreciate the better ride uh, by going down a a level. Probably find easier tires to find as well. It'd be cheaper. But get run-flat tires off your car as soon as humanly possible. (laughs) Take them off. Every single time we've had (laughs) run-flats on a BMW and then we're able to drive that model later with something other than run-flats, I don't care if it's performance all seasons. The the sidewalls on the run-flats are so rock-hard that it kills anything it wants to give you for steering feel. Yeah. You're just driving around yep. on bricks. So I, I am not a fan of run flats. How often, honestly, how often are any of you listening? Have you ever actually had a flat tire? Yeah. It, it's just not that often. So yeah. I, I, unless you're in the middle of nowhere and you have a reason that run flats must be something. I, I remember the original Hummer mm. had these tires. You could drive like uh, 50 miles an hour for 80 miles with the tires flat. You're in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. It's a military vehicle that should have run flats. Your BMW that you took to coffee this morning doesn't need it. And you're killing it. If you get on any nice freeway or back road, you won't have any feel with run flats. There's a builder near us who puts Chevy small blocks into Toyota Land Cruisers, or sometimes he'll just do the 80s chassis with the 90s body. And he had a client just come in who broke down in his Toyota 4Runner way up in the mountains. Okay. And it was either flat tire. I don't quite know what the story was, but the car wouldn't go anymore. So he had a flat tire. The engine ran, but he, he just couldn't get out. And uh, so he decided to drive 
on this tire that okay. wasn't moving, and he flat-spotted the rim. I've never seen that before. It was just ground down to That's nothing. scary. Five miles on a fire road, just <laughs> cruising along. Can you imagine the noise? Flat-spotted so, the rim. That's great. I like it. <laughs> it was so funny. So, yes, run flats, you know, or you can just drive on your rim and, you know, flat-spot your rim. Anthony asks if we ever heard of Bathurst. I have heard of Bathurst. Bathurst is yes. awesome on yeah. Panorama. I've, I've done it on some driving sims, and it's quite hard. Uh, I, I, Australia and New Zealand are both those places we'd love to go at some point. But, uh, yeah, that's a, kind of an expensive um, on-location shoot. We need to come away with a lot of content. We need we to go to a lot of places and, and, and lots of sponsors. say hello I mean, to look, a lot of people. Look, Covercraft and Haggerty and Auto Tempest and the great folks at Griot's are the reason we have a TV show. Yep. They are the reason we are able to do the content at the level we are. Without them, it wouldn't be possible. So huge thanks to them. One of them would have to like decide to put their entire year into let's go to Australia. You know, I mean, it was just nuts to do it like we want to do it. Agreed. Let's see. Oh, I'm jumping to Instagram real quick. We had a question, a few questions over there. JR Silva triple seven asks, what is one personal item we must have in our car apart from the cell phone? I have very, very little in my cars when I'm driving. Pretty much just my phone at this point. It really is. And the reason is I don't like stuff flying around because you set stuff in the back seat. You know this. If you go too hard, you'll get a dent from the inside out. But I, I don't like anything flying around back there. It's very distracting from the task of driving. So I either button it all down or, you know, place in the trunk or, or just not carry it. Do you think entrapments back? Do you think you should always pick the smallest available wheel size for your car? Do the super thin tires have any advantage over larger sidewall? I mean, this is a a Hot Wheels design trick. I mean, I. You know this better than I do, Paul, but I feel like whenever you see like the the concept car, they have wheels that will not make it. Yeah. With the possible yeah. exception of the Fisker Karma, mm-hmm. the wheels that were on the concept car will not make it to the street. <laughs> What's weird is it's, it's amazing how much suspension tuning changes this situation. And the place that really gave me like a slap in the face about this was the first time we drove the Honda Civic Type R. Oh, okay. With 20s. Okay. Here's a car that, frankly, why on earth are those wheels that big? Now, it looks kind of cool, but why on earth are those wheels that big? And somehow, Honda has figured out how to make a ride on normal surface streets of Los Angeles that feels worthwhile. And then you get on a back road, and it's still good. And we had a uh, Focus RS with us at the time, and I forget what its wheels were, but they were smaller. And it was abysmal by comparison. So there's tires. The the tire on the the Civic Type R was like a Band-Aid. Yeah. How they got a compliant right out of it. So it is possible. There's so much more going on than just the tire tuning. If you're just worried about compliance, yes, getting a, a thicker sidewall theoretically will give you a softer ride. Think about the old Cadillacs on like 16s, 15s and 16s with sidewall. It looked like a truck. They were big and floaty, but the whole car was big and floaty. So there's more going on than just tires there. But um, it depends on if that's what you're chasing first. Also, you would lose some precision theoretically as the th- as the sidewall gets bigger. I mean... I'm slicing thin here because, I mean, are you going to be able to tell? I don't know. It depends on your driving. Yeah, right. Eric Droby is on. He's one of our writers based in California. He is asking what we're hoping for from the next generation Golf R, GTI, and Civic Type R. Mm. Well, the Civic Type R will continue to be front-wheel drive. I I think it's really Acura's domain to go all-wheel drive, I feel like, if they should take that up and want to have something fun in the Acura lineup. But for Golf R and GTI... I think they need to get away from the platform sharing to make them really different. 
The problem is they're not going to because it doesn't make business sense. Yeah, true. true I true. I want them to do something completely different. But can you imagine if the Golf R or the GTI changed drive wheels? Ooh, fascinating. Never interesting thought. Fascinating. Yeah, completely. But to, would the enthusiast community accept it? Hmm. Well, now, now two things. The enthusiast community would be fascinated because there aren't any good rear-wheel drive hatches left in the world. The Golf GTI fans would be pitchforks and, and, and flaming torches. Yeah. So it would be an interesting conversation. But, of course, the only way that would ever happen is if Volkswagen, currently they have everything on the same chassis, right. Polo to Atlas. Right. If they created a new chassis that was rear-wheel drive capable, that they could somehow amortize that out so you could have rear-wheel drive Atlas, for example, then yes. But otherwise, it's never happened. I mean, the only thing you can do is look at sales. And in any project, you, you start with sales numbers because whatever you're designing next, you want to exceed the sales numbers of the prior generation. So you have to ask Volkswagen, we'll say, you know, what are the sales numbers? What do you expect out of it to be able to make a business case to say, all right, they're low sales numbers. They're still around because of your enthusiasts. If they discontinued those two cars, mm. there would be flaming torches and pitchforks. You're absolutely right. Yeah, if yeah. they discontinued, but what if they kept them alive and kind of took them in their own direction? But enthusiasts would have to be open to that because everything else from Volkswagen is going, you know, electric or the same platform. So that might be an interesting thought for him. I like That's it. what I'd like. I like you're mixing it up that much. Many of you are asking about my awesome road trip with my son in the Lotus. It was fantastic, 1,400 miles. There will be a video coming. We had an amazing time. He's asking me when we can do another one. Uh, is is really? Oh, yeah. He's like, well, <laughs> we should do this all the time. I'm like, well, yeah, but you know, life exists too. <laughs> Next but, yeah. summer when you're out of school again. Totally, exactly right. right. Yep. Right. John James says, without having driven either car, which would we rather have, the Ferrari 296 or the McLaren Artura? Hmm. Based on companies alone, I'm going with McLaren. I want McLaren. It's just Ferraris are snobby, and they just seem like they don't want enthusiasts. I mean, they only want well, well people I mean. they've heard of. That's the thing. Yeah, they don't the want only, just the only somebody you... to walk in and buy the car. Yes. I think McLaren's like, come on down. Yeah, we got you've your got the right McLaren's here. excited for you to come by for sure. Uh, Casey's asking, he said he's never had a mid-engine car. He's interested in one. Which one do we recommend between the 718 Cayman and the C8 Corvette? Coming in a few months is our TV episode from, I'm losing my seasons now, I believe it's eight, last episode of season eight, which was the Corvette C8 versus the, the 718 Cayman. I'm very, that's a great episode. It's currently available on Amazon and Vimeo. You could watch it because it directly speaks to your interests. Um, I will not spoil that episode, but you can get it those places. And it, it really is going to come down to, because we fought about it a little bit and we fought each other like fought each other and then we also fought ourselves about how do I feel about this? There's going to be so many personal things going on there. Either one of those mid-engines, while very different, would be a great mid-engine to have. David Carell says, any physicist will tell you that fuel cell vehicles running on green hydrogen are the future, not battery electric vehicles. That said, is building out all of this charging infrastructure a waste of time? I find it interesting looking at Toyota because they have maintained that very thing. They've gone after hydrogen and they've stuck with it. The rest of the industry is scratching their heads looking at them. Mm. They've now just barely started to dive into electric vehicles, but still reluctantly, interestingly. But I think it's not a waste of time because of the wide range that it will give people. There will still be gas. There will be electric vehicles. Hopefully more com car companies will jump on board and, and do hydrogen and investigate that. But 
I think there will be more, but there still needs to be this infrastructure. As it is now, we've talked about, it can barely support in certain areas and not in others what the future is promised to us by the news media. Yeah, It can barely support it. So any electric car company now, it's got to be part of their plan. I think the big thing that doesn't get discussed is other options, and I think all of the options are going to remain for a while. I think that's that's for sure. Yeah, uh, I've just had a question here, lots of questions about the road trip, and I'm I'm not surprised. But uh, why am Michael it one says, trickle it out? Uh, yeah, <laughs> bits and pieces. How are my ears after the road trip in oh. a wonderful but loud car? <laughs> yeah. I made an executive decision before we left because my son and I both have those Bose noise canceling uh, headphones. Yeah, and. You know, you're not supposed to wear headphones in a car because you need to hear what's going on. When you're in a Lotus, you don't hear anything else. I, I don't care. If you've got the Lotus up above, like, idle speed, the fact that a diesel truck just went by me or an 18-wheeler, I didn't hear him anyway. Uh, it doesn't matter. There's, I'm not hearing anything. Rock concerts, not Seriously, leases, not me. So we engines. both took our Bose noise-canceling headphones and wore those, and it was the greatest decision I made of the entire road trip. That's we were just fantastic. Like, and it was like, oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, now it's normal. Now it's good. That's so funny. <laughs> but you look goofy cruising down. I don't care. Giant cans. We, we, but we would get that car was getting looks everywhere anyway. Sure. I mean, when I was sure. driving, we went to to Ure, Colorado for a million dollar highway. It was a, uh, the back end of our trip, and it's known they they pride themselves on being the Jeep capital of the world. Okay. Right. We're driving down, and we're seeing. By the way, I bet you thirty percent of town was from Texas. No, because kidding. as you know, Texas owns Colorado. Uh, Winter, so, summer. Yep. But what we saw a lot of was people in their huge Texas diesel trucks with a trailer on the back trailering their huge Jeep. You're kidding Everything me. with Texas plates. We oh saw a lot gosh. of that. And then I'm there <laughs> in the Lotus. I was the grand oddball. The amount of looks and questions and stuff that we got. And I'm then there sure. was the moment when we got out one night to go to dinner. And I climb out. And, of course, I'm like a praying mantis coming out of the Lotus. And then my son climbs out. Unfolding yourself. And this couple sitting on the sidewalk says, well, that looks like fun, but looks like it's hard to get into. And my son starts in. Bodhi <laughs> starts like, in. And there was like three paragraphs worth of why it was awesome just coming out of him. And I was just like walking to dinner. Like, you, when you're done with that, I'll be over here. We've got it's, reservations. We're all I'm good. Yeah, going to go on in. <laughs> it's funny. Let's see. Uh, oh, 24 Hours of Le Mans. Yes, we are definitely planning on watching the 24 Hours of Le Mans this year. Javier Paisley. Yes, thank you for the question. Definitely. What else? Uh, Hawkins Monster has a brother who's owned four S2000s, currently owns a Type R. He owns a Veloster N. He wants another OR or ND2 and keep the Civic. How does he... How does Hawkness convince him to just go in D2 for the new experience? Hmm. That's going to be tough. It is tough, but, but that's, you have to branch out. Honestly, the, the thing is we all have brands. I have Lotus, Paul has Porsche. We all have brands that we love. And one of the things I like the most is like when you'll drive my Lotus, for example, and you'll get out and, and I, and I've had this thought before about some of the Porsche product. I get out and I go, wow, that's really good. And I really don't want one. I'm, and that's happened with you in the Lotus. Yeah. You I get out I, of it. Every time you get out of it, you're just it. kind of boggled by how good it is. And then you're very, very happy to hand me the keys. I just, like, yep. <laughs> the road trip, just six hours of ease. Yes. It, I yes. cannot I'm imagine you, that. The, the headphones was the key thing, <laughs> my friend. Sure. So, Hawkness uh, and, and Cody, I go for a new experience. I, yeah. Because the thing is, let, let's just say for sake of our argument, your friend Cody, um, he wants another Honda. But you kind of know what that experience is going to be. Mm-hmm. And look, I'll give you the other side of the equation. If you get the ND2 Miata and you decide that it's really not for you, 
after like a year, you can sell it and get another Honda. Yeah, yeah, but true. But I, I, I also think that having something different makes you reflect on and understand the benefits of the things you really like the most. Sure. Like sure. When, when I drive other cars that are not the Lotus, it makes me even more aware of the things I like about the Lotus or the Z4 or the yeah. Phaeton or whatever. Yeah. Fair enough. AZ Pratt Film asks, what are our new Miata electrified experience expectations? Hmm. You know how every car company is building some sort of electric vehicle skateboard platform upon which to build the thing. This seems like a good idea, but I keep asking the question of both of us and the audience, you guys, is that going to deaden the experience? Is that going to create sameness across every SUV and car in the future? And so for the sake of dynamics, not for the sake of good manufacturing or the ease of manufacturing or the ease of putting it together or figuring it out, but lump all the batteries into the size and weight of an engine to place it and create dynamics mm. with that in the future. Because yeah. that it's like, you know, leg is we just pile them up into a stack and now you can control the weight even easier mm-hmm. and make those mid engine dynamics or front engine or whatever that is. And create that and keep that alive. It doesn't make business sense. It doesn't make design or engineering sense, but it makes dynamics and good fun driving sense. Who's going to win, right? Purdue says, what do we have against computer mice? (laughs) What you're seeing here (laughs) is the fact that these computers don't live here and they go off and they do other things and they come in here for the podcast. They don't live in here. (laughs) Notice there's, there's a mouse right here for the, the the iMac. It's controlling the recording iMac. And, and all of our editing computers are big editing. I don't edit on this unless I have to, unless I'm on an airplane. All of our big editing computers have mice, and that is a godsend for that regard. So it just has to do with laptop usage, because really what I use this for, I use this for typing, honestly, most of the time. <laughs> Nate Crabtree asks if we feel like mountain biking scratches the same itch as canyon driving without the stress or worrying of, about traffic, or, you know, cops, that kind of thing. It has its own stress. People coming the other <laughs> way on a blind corner is stressful. Yeah. yeah. Especially when you run into a badger in the middle of the trail that's oh, that story. pissed off mm-hmm. <laughs> and low and wide and angry and we went on a great fantastic ride locally here uh called the the mid mountain uh mid mountain trail which guess what (laughs) it goes along the middle of the mountain i know you're shocked and for the first time we've taken my son bodhi before for the first time we took his dog wasatch i've seen dogs in the trail before wasatch has become a very good trail dog it's all good at this point i was riding the back of the three of us and wasatch was out front we came around a corner and my son said something and we're all you know huffing and puffing and tired Mm -hmm. so my son says something and i said keep riding and he said, Dad, Badger. And it didn't really, it's one of those things that didn't really filter in yet. You know what I mean? And well, then you I, were behind me. Exactly. He was, was way up the trail exactly. in front of and me. I, and I was like, what? And he said, Dad, Badger. Now, I know what a badger is. I've seen a badger at a zoo. I've never seen a badger That's in the a wild. thing. I've seen it in a zoo and yes. pictures on the internet. Yes. But pissed off about 20 feet Our in front of me. Our dog found a badger. I think rooted it out of its hole where it was wanting yeah. to protect the family. It wasn't moving. It wasn't no, running away. It, it was, was standing it its was, ground. It got down and yeah. low, and its head was bigger than my dog's head, and it was hissing. And luckily, he is smart enough, the dog now, to be like, okay, so that's not a happy creature. He, he wasn't attacking, which is good. The badger so, did care, by oh, the way. Yes, yes it was the a, badger it cared cared. quite a bit. So I had to get up there and put my bike between the badger and the dog to separate the two and then get us past it. I That was crazy. I'd beware of badgers. So I don't know how low-stress mountain biking is, but, man, it's fun. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, what else? 
Um, okay, catching up. Going to jump over here to Facebook here. Bob McCormick says, with everybody buying CUVs, where is CUV racing? Where is the series? You know, street <laughs> courses with required 4x4 <laughs> mode due to rain and tall curbs. In the required coffee drive through every lap that a pit, that a pit stop is taken. Bonus points if a little one's <laughs> dropped off at ballet or taekwondo. A fire suit and a helmet is required. Sponsored even if it's by Starbucks, yes. Yeah, well, we want sports cars and indie cars, but, you know, those aren't the cars that sell. But would people watch CUV racing unless, you know, the, the Mustang Mach-E has been turned into a race car. It's a drift car, but still. Maybe. But is that interesting? New rules to make it interesting, I suppose. Well, but remember when uh, Jaguar released their um, I-Pace? They made an I-Pace racing series. Yeah, and it for, didn't I don't really know, last. I don't know how long it lasted, but it lasted. Which is, that was just a discussion about, hey, here it is. Mm-hmm. We already mentioned the 400Z. Are we worth getting exci- is it worth getting excited about? I don't know. I mean, the fact that it's going to be a manual makes it very intriguing, and I still say that Toyota's going to drop the manual Supra Right when the 400Z comes out. If they're I still smart, think they coming. are. I th- I think if they want some to. attention back and point the light back to- at them. Toyota has told us, they have told us on a couple of occasions that they want to do something to the Supra every year to just kind of go, hey, notice me. Which mm-hmm. says to me that the manual is in the quiver and they're going to wait until the best time. And I think until the 400Z was announced, they didn't know the best time. Do you release it the last year? When do you do it? I think the 400Z is going to drop. The Super is going to drop with the manual. Then we'll have a comparison that will be really something I'm excited to shoot. Mm-hmm. Uh, did we cover hybrid autocross cars from Fat Ferret on nope. Instagram? Honda CRZ seems really appealing, but can you tune that car? <laughs> <laughs> yes, you can. Honda that's did it. That's true. That's actually true. And you love that That's version. the one that I like. Yeah. It's a matter yeah, of fact. that's true. You, that was a very expensive Honda CRZ, too. Interesting if there's... Mm, autocross just doesn't seem as interesting. There needs to be a series for it, but would it be supported? I mean, Honda fits are race cars. CRZs, I could definitely see that, but there's just not that many hatchback, hybrid, little tiny cars for a race series, Pacific Type R, Veloster N, what else? That's hard. The, the Hot Hatch series and an all Hot Hatch series? Uh, Joe says, any flaws we found in the Factory Type 65? That's the Daytona Coupe by Factory 5 that we drove mm. on PCH, and we drove one that was built for Haggerty. Really considering buying one. Uh, Joe, honestly, now, here's the problem with kit cars across the board. There's only one? No, but this this is a blanket one that oh. covers a lot, and that is <laughs> I'm kidding. There's a kit, but between the kit and properly sorted, is not a guarantee. Yeah, right. There's a lot right. of stuff to fine tune, and the one that we had was special because because it was being built for Haggerty, and they had Factory Five working with them. It was one of those make it as good as it possibly can be. So the Factory Five folks built that one, and it was honestly it was superb. It was so much better to drive than I ever thought it would be. I loved driving it. But it was absolutely 100% properly sorted as best it could be. So that's one of the hard parts, Joe. Are you building this? Do you know how to sort a car? Mm-hmm. I don't know. The other thing that was the downside is, <clears throat> I hate to say this, but it's true. Mm. Technically, the one we had had the quiet exhaust. Oh, yeah. We showed up. Yeah, and that's it was right. so unbelievably loud. And I'm a guy, look, I'm sensitive to exhaust anyway, obviously, but yeah. so unbelievably loud that... You couldn't put a passenger in the, in the right seat and hear a thing. It was impossible. And we have never done this before and probably will never do it since. We wore earplugs for our interviews. 
Never done which, this before. Which, as a, as a filmmaker, bugged me because I didn't want to be able to see him. I was like, we're going to see him. And it was driving me crazy. But it's like, it is so loud in here. Yeah. That we're, and we're going to spend so much time in this car. So the problem that I have, Joe, is getting it properly sorted. And what do you do about that crazy, ear-bleeding, loud exhaust? We had the quiet one. And it was obscene. Yeah. Yeah. I, I loved it. It was so fun to drive. Look, it's no reflection on Haggerty. It's no reflection no. on Factory 5. It's just any engine... With straight pipes right next to your ear is going to be horribly loud. <laughs> right below you know? the door, yeah. Do you like it or do you not? But yeah, it, it was it was quite loud. But interestingly, it was part of the experience. It, yeah, for wearing sure. earplugs for and sure. being part of it, it just it cut right through you when you nailed the gas. You you didn't yeah. just hear it. You just <laughs> yeah. feel a little bit. It just sort of like reached into you. And I think that's <laughs> it. Resonated with both of us. Ezekiel, thank you. By the way, appreciate it. Glad you like us. Levita594 asks me what I think of Tog Heuer. Those are Tog Heuer watches. I do like them. I've just never been compelled enough to really want one, except for the Monaco, I suppose, the really awesome square Monaco watch. I I like other brands, I guess. But uh, yeah, I like Bell & Ross. I like Tudor. I like Omega. There's a lot that I like. But yeah, I'm, I'm, in, I'm trying to investigate brands that are in the... Five hundred to a one thousand dollar range that mm. I think make interesting things that people comment, but they're they're good looking designs, and that's really where my interest is currently. Our our great shooter editor Edgar once was sitting at dinner oh, with no. us. Oh no! And he asked Paul <laughs> for a great watch recommendation, and Paul said, "What's your budget?" And he said, five hundred dollars." This is why Paul's not researching these. Uh, he said, "My budget is five hundred dollars," and Paul proceeded to give him three great choices. All of which were between a thousand and two thousand dollars. Yeah. So he's but now researching cheaper watches. You really get I, I what you understand that? Yes, for sure. Yeah. You have to decide if you want style or movement or both. That changes the equation a lot. I'll pick up my phone in a second, or I'll look at the corner of either of the computers, yeah. and I'll tell what the time it is. Look how easy it's it is to be tell great. the time. I know. Yeah, mm-hmm. I know. Uh, <laughs> let's see. S S L H H one hundred. I don't know how you pronounce that. Why don't big seven seaters use small sliding or barn doors for the third row? I'm going to say because the whole thing SUVs are trying to do is say, look at me, I'm not a minivan. That's, That's the beginning and end absolutely of what people are trying to do. Yeah. And if, look, if you're going to have a lot of kids and a lot of stuff to take somewhere, the most efficient thing to do that with, the most <laughs> simple thing to do that with is a minivan because the door slides open. Yeah, but okay, the bigger is, hole you put in a thing... The yes, <laughs> they're not the fun to drive. Structurally but, rigid, but that's, but that's the thing. It and so, weak. I mean, the, the whole thing, the, the crazy Falcon doors that the Model X has is, yeah. a, is a disaster. Yeah. I don't it's care about disaster. the marketing brief; they're a disaster. And it's so awesome. And, and it could have been great if oh, they had, yeah. had, I don't know, normal doors. But the reason they wouldn't do it is because I think it would be a sales disaster because people are are have this natural reaction of I don't want a minivan unless you're a person who just gets past the the hump and just goes I need a minivan and then nothing else can really match those doors yeah where's the GT3 variant of the Porsche Macan do we need that well they just got rid of the turbo so maybe we do need a stripped out lightweight I don't know where you drive it because it's a cargo it's it's designed for people in gear yeah, well, yeah, kind really of. I mean, it's the Porsche hot hatch is really what the Macan is. I mean, you know, it's not really, it's not really the mm. gear hauler. It's, it's the Porsche hot hatch is really what it is. Maybe we could scale it down for the next iteration. 
Yeah, but see, it's still got to be five seat. It's still got to be five seat SUV. It doesn't have to be anything. One. Well, or but Porsche see, that's what's we'll buying. sell three of them. And well, fine, but then they've got to have something offset. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. yeah. What else? Uh, you got any social media questions? Uh, no, Forrest Jenkins is got fighting words. He said, "Do bad drivers gravitate to the Nissan Rogue, or do rogues make people bad drivers?" Ooh. Uh, Forrest, Ooh. look, we, we've talked about this on other cars as well. I think. There are certain cars, and I would put the Rogue on the list. I would put the Subaru Outback on the list. There are certain cars that people that don't like driving have a tendency to buy. Mm -hmm. And those cars typically have got, we were talking about this just today, actually, typically have got really good safety features for somebody that either doesn't like to drive or, in many cases, is frightened of driving. And I really think, and I'm going to lose, I'm going to die on this hill, and I'm going to lose. I really think that the, the car monitoring our driving is making scared bad drivers more scared and worse. Great. Because yeah. it's it's just creating the situation where the car is constantly alerting you and it's freaking you out and you're already freaked out. Or you don't want to be driving anyway, so you just get even more lazy because the car's got this. I this is the problem. I think anybody can be a car enthusiast and drive any car you can imagine. Mm-hmm. There was a moment on our road trip when I had passed a bunch of people in a passing lane, passed a bunch of people pulled over and then got passed by a retired guy and a Subaru Forester. And my son looked at me and said, you just got passed by a Forester. He was, I mean, it was like recalibrated his was world. Was he embarrassed? He was just, he was just shocked. He was like, how did that even happen? <laughs> but, but this guy was, he was a very competent, we were on back roads in the mountains. He had Colorado plate on. He was a local. He was very comfortable on those roads. Yeah. So, yeah. so you can be any kind of driver, any kind of enthusiast in any kind of car. But I do think the cars that offer incentives and offer a lot of safety, and offer a lot of safety driver assistance features, people that aren't drivers gravitate, and it exacerbates the problem. I have an update for you okay. on the Volkswagen Taos. The, oh, it's time no. for a Taos rant. Really? Are we back? We are back. Oh, no. Okay. Big thanks to Nick, who supports us from one of our press fleets in Denver, who brought us the Taos because he heard my rant, and he went digging. As it turns out, Volkswagen is rather inconsistent with their lane assist, the warning when okay. you, you know pinballing your way down the lane apparently and because we're all bad drivers and we need that help in the tiguan it's in one location but in the taos it's at the end of the turn signal it's a button in the end of the turn signal but you can't see it because it's covered up by the steering wheel so we're looking and you you can't see anything so when you go hunting and you're you know, you want to turn it off because you're driving and it's annoying that, you know, what out of you (laughs) it's over here where they don't tell you it should be very natural, intuitive, and it should start off. If you want it, it should start on, but no, just like auto start stop. It shouldn't default to on. I just, I want to jam a screwdriver in that. But I mean, if you sit in traffic, you may want the auto start stop depending upon who you are and what it saves you fine. No, but I, I think, the thing about all these technologies is that the fact that they exist is fine. The fact that they default to on is the problem. And the fact that in yeah. many cases, if they default to on, you can't turn them off. That's, yeah. that's the Or place. you can't find it, or it's inconsistent throughout the model lineup. And so you're looking over here, and there's a button here, or it's in a menu over here, or it's on the end of the turn signal. You've talked about user what a preferences stupid location. before. A car should remember what happened when you get out. Yes. If you turned all that stuff off, you should get in and it's still off. The Mercedes AMG products do this and it asks you on startup on the screen, do I want to continue, which is actually even better because what if you don't? What if you just want to go back to comfort mode or you're just moving your car three feet? <laughs> Fine. But it, it gives you that option to say, yes, I've gotten back in my car, go back to where we were. Mercedes, 
Yes. <laughs> Mercedes, yes. Yes. We're going to need to close this down fairly soon, but I love being on with you guys. It's really, really cool. Andrew has said uh, speculative expectation on the Lotus Emira versus C8 and C8 Z06. <laughs> uh, the Emira is Lotus having a swan song. The C8 yeah. is Corvette trying something completely new. And the yeah. biggest differentiator yeah. between those two cars is going to be the fact that the Amira is offered with a manual. That is going to be the defining difference. Also, it's going to be 500 plus pounds lighter than the C8. I don't even know that they so, compete in the marketplace, to well, be honest. But, but you're, going to be, you're going to have those people. We, I mean, we could clearly do a comparison because the, the prices are going to be similar. True. But I don't think the buyer's the same. I agree you with you You want a vet? That. You're getting a Corvette. I, I think that if you want a manual, you're clearly not getting a C8. I still yeah. think that Corvette has an opportunity with the C9 to bring back a manual option, to stay mid-engine. And I've heard the rumors, and I'm sure you've heard them too, that they're going to go back to front engine. I, I don't think so. But I think it would be interesting if in the C9 they offered a manual option again. Mm-hmm. Because we've run into plenty of people yeah. in the comments and elsewhere that have just said the C8, while they're intrigued, they would never buy one because it's not a manual option. I totally get you made a, They made an excellent dual clutch. It's a superb dual clutch. For yeah. a first outing yeah, to make a dual clutch, it's like, how did you do this well? It's like 95% of a Porsche dual clutch. But there is a market for the person that wants the manual. And that's the interesting thing about the Amira is you have the option. Mm-hmm. So I think that it won't be a, a, won't be a comparo unless there is a manual option down the line. Yep, agreed. My brother-in-law has written to us. Uh-oh. Some questions? Turby the Saab on Instagram, calling him out, Daniel. I'm teasing him a little bit. But he's asking, is he crazy for flying eight hours for a 1993 Saab turbo convertible? Is he getting another one? I think so. He says, drive one and you tell me. I love that he's into turbos now. I love turbos. And he's looking for another Saab. I think it's actually my sister that wants the matching one, and so he might be buying another one. Purdue says, is the uh, Alpha 4C the last best pure sports car? No, I still think it's the Lotus Elise. I would have thought that the Alpha 4C with the no uh, assist of the steering would have been. But the fact that the Alpha 4C doesn't have great steering feel in spite of having manual steering and doesn't have a manual option, I think keeps it away from being the last best pure sports car. I think the Lotus still trumps it in that regard. I know that the Lotus is older, but uh, yeah, anyway. (laughs) Does anyone actually know when we'll actually see Amira deliveries? Dak 101 asks, well, they're starting their media drives in 2022. So sometime I, after I that. I suspect it'll be fall of 2022 unless we have issues with uh, you know supply lines, which of course are affecting everything anyway. Guys, thank you so much for all these questions. Yeah. Continue writing to us. If we couldn't get to your question on the live stream, we post up for questions on Mondays and mm-hmm. Thursdays for releases on the usually the ends of our podcast on Tuesdays and Fridays. And so that's just what's on your mind, what's currently in the industry. And I love it when you ask us to speculate, even though I know it's hard yeah. because some of you have gone back to older episodes and said, you'll never believe what I found. <laughs> never believe guys, how wrong you guys were. You're either yeah. so wrong, you're yeah. idiots, or you predicted this one thing yeah. that came Occasionally true. Occasionally we get lucky. So yeah, fun. for sure. So funny. But we really appreciate you following the TV seasons, both of the YouTube channels, and this podcast. We can't yeah. thank you enough for all the support. And we just we definitely feel like, you know, all of us enthusiasts were 
we're in it together. It's just, it's so much fun. Yeah. Hanging out with you guys yeah, is very fun. It. We will continue with all of these things, both the channels and the, the, the YouTube channels, both the podcasts, all of that stuff. Please, if you're interested at all, I'm going to hit it again. The sweepstakes for the cheap sports cars is going on right now. Your chance of winning is pretty yep. good. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. All of the stuff, the micro machines guy that used to read off all of the stuff. Oh, the micro machines I, guy. I wish I could be him. Anyway, so all of that's happening, that's but you hard. can go to our website right now and you can click right there for your chance to win those cars. We're giving them both away in mid September. So it is coming up and it is a thing and we have reached the place where we know they're going yeah which that's is exciting awesome. and we have our next round of cars and i can't wait to share <laughs> so anyway thank you guys again yeah really appreciate it and as always we're looking forward to the next time cheers everybody